Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Tonight, we're going to talk again on the subject of healing, and then uh, we're going to lay hands and pray for the sick. So I want to share for maybe 20 minutes, just kind of, you know, not very long ago, we had Randy Clark. I remember Randy being here, you know, he just kind of rev his motor for a while. I'm just going to kind of rev my motor for a while, right? Give you some some word, get the faith uh, rising up, right? The second to the last book in your Bible is the book of Jude. It's just one little chapter, extremely powerful. But Jude writes and he said, beloved, where I I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. Now, notice he calls our salvation common, but the Bible says it's so great a salvation and it's not common in its quality. Right. But our salvation is common because every one of us received the exact same salvation. Billy Graham did not get more than you got. I didn't get anything that you didn't get. Our salvation is common in the fact that everybody receives the same thing. So if you know anybody that ever received something from God, it came out of that common salvation, the package that they received. And if it was in their package, it's in your package. God's not a respecter of persons. Right? And the salvation that we've received, what Jesus purchased for us, he purchased for every one of us. Right? So he calls it our common salvation. But he says, but I found it necessary exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all delivered to the saints. Right? So the faith, what Christians believe, right, was given once. And who's it for? All. It's for all. So many of us were brought up in traditions where they told us that once the last apostle died, all miracles stopped. God stopped healing. God stopped deliverance. All the gifts of the spirit, they all passed away. And some of us may have heard, well, no, once we got the Bible. Then all of the gifts of the spirit stop, all the supernatural stop, all the healing stop. But the Bible says it was given once for all. And what you find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you find in Acts and Romans and Corinthians, what you find in the New Testament is what the church is supposed to look like today. God has not changed. What God is doing is not changed. So in Revelation chapter 10, excuse me, chapter 19 and verse 10, uh, John writes and he says, I fell at his feet and worshiped him. But he said to me, see that you don't do that, for I'm yourself, fellow servant, and, and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of of prophecy. Now, the root word in Hebrew of testimony is do again. Right? So what this verse is actually saying is this, that when God does something, 
right? He wants to do it again. It's the spirit of prophecy, right? What God did for your friend, he wants to do for you. What God did in the book of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, he wants to do for you. In fact, it's really interesting. You go back to the book of Psalms, and I believe it's Psalm 78. The whole Psalm is talking about the reason they weren't seeing miracles was not that God wasn't doing miracles. It's that they forgot about all the miracles that he'd already done. Because what those miracles are supposed to do is they're supposed to cause faith to rise up in your heart. Create expectancy. And literally... When, there is an, when, when you hear a testimony, when you read a testimony, the anointing that was there to cause that miracle, that healing, that deliverance to come to pass becomes present again when the testimony is given. Right? So this, the, the, literally what it says is the testimony of Jesus, what he has done is a prophecy of what he wants to do. Right? And it releases an anointing for the same thing to happen again. So in Mark chapter 9, we find Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John are with him. Nine of the disciples are down at the foot of the mountain. And Jesus comes down, and the people run over to Jesus. And one of the crowd answered, and Jesus said, what are you discussing? He said, teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gashes with his teeth, becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Uh, When it says faithless, I, I would say this, they're not connected enough to God. But when it's saying perverse, it's saying you're too connected to the world. And, and I really believe that today, because of, of the technology that we have, this generation of Christians is more connected to the world than any generation has ever been. Right? Jesus said, how long will I be with you and how long will I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to him. And when he saw him immediately, the spirit convulsed him and fell down on the ground and wallowed and foamed at the mouth. So the man brings his boy to Jesus and the disciples could not. They did not bring deliverance. So many people, if, some, if they're prayed for once or if they're prayed for multiple times, they say, well, you know, I didn't get it. It must not be God's will. Right. But Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus always brings the will of God. And Jesus is going to minister to this boy. So he says, bring him to me. And it's interesting, as they're bringing the boy to Jesus, what happens is he wallows, he falls on the ground, he's foaming at the mouth, right? A lot of times when the enemy knows he's losing, he's about to go, he knows he's about to go, he throws a fit. Things look worse instead of better, right? So he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, since childhood. For awesome, it throws him both into the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. 
So the man wants Jesus to take care of the situation. And that's so often what we do. We say, God, just do this. God, just do this. God, just do this. Did you notice Jesus would not accept responsibility? Jesus said, if you can believe. So it wasn't a question of what Jesus could do. It was a question of what he could believe, right? Now, we're looking at the gospel of Mark and the other gospel where this, this is the same account is given. The man says, I do believe, help thou my unbelief, right? And, and I said this this morning, for years, I believed that if I had faith, I couldn't have unbelief. But this man had faith and he had unbelief. You see, uh, it, you, you can be in the word and they are, you're building faith, but yet you're thinking about, well, this didn't work. And that happened to this person. Right? And so what often happens is we've got faith, but we also have unbelief. And sometimes our unbelief is stronger than our faith. Okay? And when that happens, it's like you've got two horses pulling on a rope. Well, the stronger horse is going to win. Right? In fact, when Jesus talks about how faith works in Mark chapter 11, he says, and do not doubt in your heart. But believe that those things which you say will come to pass, right? So unbelief and doubt, those are the enemies of faith. And so often people say, well, they didn't get healed because they didn't have faith. That's probably not the case. It's probably not that they didn't have faith. It's just that there is unbelief as well because of things they'd been taught, because of things that they'd felt, because of things they were told, because of things that they'd seen. But those, the, the unbelief has to be dealt with. Right? I think it's interesting in one of the translations, it says the way that you get rid of it is through prayer and fasting. It's not that there's a demon that won't come out in Jesus' name, right? But unbelief, you've got to get rid of the unbelief, right? And how does that come out? Prayer and fasting. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes, Immediately, the father cried out and said, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd was running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and he came out of him. Again, the, the, the boy is being delivered, but it doesn't look like he's being delivered. All right. He convulsed him. He's screaming. He falls down. He looked like the people are saying he's dead. And Jesus went over and lift him up by the hand and rose him up. The disciples did not bring deliverance to the boy, but Jesus did. It was God's will the whole time. Right. It was God's will the whole time. So often we'll look and say, well, I was prayed for and nothing happened. So it must not be God's will. No, it's God's will. It is God's will. Jesus is perfect theology. He is a perfect manifestation of God's will. And to receive healing, the first thing we have to know in our heart, we've got to know God wants me well, right? And that sickness and disease did not come from God. Again, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So Jesus went about doing good. And by the way, the, the, the word good there, I always thought it was just talking about all the healing he was doing. 
But uh, the word good there talks about helping. It, it talks really about being a philanthropist. It talks about helping the downtrodden, the oppressed, the abused, the rejected, and the poor. All right? So Jesus wasn't just healing. He was looking at the needs that were around him and meeting those needs. All right? And then healing all who were oppressed of the devil. When I grew up in church, they told us, if you have cancer, God sent cancer. And that's God's will for you. Right? And whatever it is, the problem you have, God sent that to you. But the Bible says here that the people Jesus healed, they weren't oppressed by God. They were oppressed by the devil. Sickness and disease do not come from God. Sickness and disease come from the devil. Right? And again, in Deuteronomy 28, sickness is called a curse, not a blessing. In Job chapter 42, when God heals Job, the Bible says he turned his captivity. Sickness is captivity. Right? It's called bondage. Jesus said, whom Satan has bound these 18 years. Right? And then, of course, right here in Acts 10, 38, it's called oppression. People who are oppressed of the devil. There are 19 individuals that are mentioned in the New Testament as being healed under Jesus' ministry. 19 individual people. Many times it talks about multitudes, but 19 times it tells a story. Right? In every one of those times, there's something God wants us to learn. Right? There's a specific lesson that we can learn every time there's an individual that's healed. So in Matthew chapter 8, in verse 1, it says when Jesus came down from the mountain, he's preached what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. A great multitude followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Almost anybody who's ever been to church, that's what they believe. If God wanted to, he could. And I've had people say that, well, if God wanted to heal them, he could have. If God wanted to, he could have. Right? So this man represents everybody who says, I know God could heal me. I just don't know if he wants to heal me. So Jesus is going to answer the question. All right? If you're willing, you can make me whole. And I don't know about you, but if, if somebody said to me, I know you could heal me, but I don't know if you're good enough to heal me. I mean, like, that'd be like a slap in the face. I'd rather have somebody think, you want to, but you can't, than think, well, you could, but you don't want to. You don't have enough compassion. Right? So Jesus puts out his hand and he touched the man saying, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. My favorite translation of this says, of course I will. And Jesus touches him and he's healed. All right. So for every person who says, well, I know God could, but I just don't know if God really wants to. This man answers the question. Jesus answers the question for you. He wants to. He can and he wants to. But what we need to do is we need to receive by faith. And again, everything you receive from God, you receive spiritually. That means you receive it in your heart first. Right? 
and then you see it on the outside. First, it's in the heart. Romans 10, for with the heart, man believes. First of all, you believe it. Then your belief brings it into this natural realm where we can see it, feel it, and taste it. Now, there's so many, as I mentioned before, I know a minimum of eight different ways that God heals in the New Testament, right? But uh, I'm going to take a little time and try to talk to you about the, the healing anointing that uh, Jesus ministered, that, that uh, we use today very often when we're ministering to the sick. So... Colossians chapter one, giving thanks to the father who's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So God qualified you for everything that Jesus purchased for you. You do not qualify because of how good you've been. How many of you are glad? But Jesus qualified you for your share of the inheritance. And he delivered you Other translations say that he translated you out of the domain or the kingdom of darkness. One cotton patch translation says that he has taken us out of the jailhouse of darkness and turned us loose into the kingdom of his dear son. So we've been delivered out from under the power, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. So everything that the devil has in his kingdom, if it's in your life, it's trespassing. It does not belong there because God has taken you and translated you out of that kingdom and put you into the kingdom of the son of his love. Now, one of the ways of healing again, laying on of hands, Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe. The list begins with, they will cast out demons and it ends with, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, right? Now, that's for who? People that believe. People that believe. These signs will follow those that believe in his name. So that means you, right? And this isn't just something that should happen at church. This ought to happen at home. This ought to happen at work. This ought to happen at school. This ought to happen at Starbucks, right? Especially at Starbucks, I think. All right? But you qualify. You believe it, you qualify. All right, again, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Now, what kind of power was he anointed with? Well, I'm just going to tell you right off, it's healing power. The woman with the issue of blood touches Jesus. Jesus feels power come out of him. She feels power go into her, right? And what did the power do? It healed her. It's healing power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So Romans chapter 3 and verse 27 talks about the law of faith. The law of faith. So uh, where's the electric, I don't know where the, well anyway. Any electric switch that you find. You know, if, if, if we do not have lights in here, if there's no power in here, the first thing that we are going to do is not call the power company. The first thing we're going to do is show the switch, right? Because the switch is going to be the, the issue, not the power company. They're sending, right? Now, 
if somebody cuts that, well, even, let's just take a bird. You, 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 got, you got power lines out there. A bird lands on those power lines. It doesn't, touch, doesn't bother him at all. All right. But if you're touching the ground and you touch that power line, how many know it will fry you? All right. Now, it's nothing personal. The, the, the electricity is not going, I like the bird and I don't like them. No. All right. Because you're, you're, you see, you're, because you're grounded, that, white, that power is just going to flow right into you and fry you, right? Because that's one of the laws of electricity, and it's not personal, right? Now, the Bible tells us that there is the law of faith, right? It's the law of faith. Now, this woman is going to come up behind Jesus and touch Jesus, and healing power is going to flow to her. She's going to be healed. And Jesus is going to turn around and say, who touched me? Now, this is not semantics. Jesus doesn't know who touched him. You see, we often have the idea that every request that we have, like God gets a stack in heaven of all the requests. And he looks at, yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Yes. Mm, okay, yes. No. You know, like God looks at every individual request and says, oh, this one's good and this one's bad. All right. The truth is, it's the law of faith. It's a law, just like the law of gravity. God does not up in heaven saying, I think I'll let it fall. I mean, there's a law that said that that thing's going to fall. Right? And the same thing is true about faith. Faith will bring something to you. So often we just think, well, I've got to live just perfect. I've got to somehow touch God. I've got to make God understand my problem. And we go to God and we tell God how bad it is, how much it hurts, how much it costs, how long we've had it, how uncomfortable it is. We're just God, God, God. And you're thinking, well, I just got to get God's sympathy. No, you just got to touch faith. Yeah. You just got to come in faith. All right. So there's a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and suffered many things of many physicians. She spent all that she had. She was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, now this is one of the, th the laws of faith. Faith comes by hearing, right? Faith comes by hearing, right? Um, a while back, I was at a funeral, right? And we, we had to leave. Um, the pastor was going up and telling how God wanted to kill him. God wanted, God sent this disease, this cancer, to kill this individual. And I said to Jeannie, I said, honey, you got to get me out of here or I'm going to stand up. I'm just, <laughs> get me out of here. Right? Had to leave, right? If, if, if what you're hearing does not build faith, you, you can hear something that's going to take your faith. Right? God's punishing you. God's testing you. you know, uh, this is, yeah. When she heard about Jesus, she heard he was healing. Right? And she believed it. And she believed not just that Jesus was healing, but that Jesus would heal her. She believed it. Right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And she came in the crowd behind him and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Yeah. Now, here's another law of faith. You've got to say it. 
Romans 10, 8. But what does faith say? It says the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, even the word of faith, which we preach. You've got to speak your faith. You've got to have action that corresponds to your faith. And words are the most normal action that there is. If I can only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She touches him immediately. The fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. What kind of power? Well, it's healing power. It's delivering power. It gone out. Of, he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said, look, everybody's throwing me and touching you. And you say, who touched me? Now, there were a lot of sick people that were touching, but not a lot of sick people were being healed. Because she believed. She believed. And the, her belief drew that anointing. Her belief drew the anointing. Right? So Jesus, Mark 6, goes to Lazarus, to, to Lazarus, excuse me, to Nazareth, his hometown. And the Bible says he could there do no mighty work because of their unbelief. Is Jesus anointed? But his anointing did not work because of their unbelief. Not Jesus' unbelief, but their unbelief. Right? Faith will draw it out. But unbelief will shut the power of God right down. Okay? So he looked around to see who had done the thing. So Jesus doesn't know. He's wondering, who touched me? Again, we have the idea... God's got to specifically okay your healing. Listen, the healing power of God is present and faith will draw it to you. Faith will draw it to you. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. What made her well? Her faith. Did the anointing have anything to do with it? Yes, it did. But that anointing would not work without her faith. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Mark chapter 8 and verse 29. Um, and when he came to Bethsaida, they brought a blind man to him and he begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spat in his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked if he could see anything. Now, the town where they're at is the town of Bethsaida. This is where Jesus has done many of his miracles. And he rebukes them and said, look, if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen the things that you have seen, they'd remain to this day. He basically, he said, this town is full of unbelief. So Jesus won't even pray for him in the town. Jesus takes him out of town, gets him away from the place of unbelief. All right? He takes him by the hand. He leads him out of town. He spits in his eyes. He puts his hands on him and he asks if he saw anything. Now, listen, uh, Jesus never prayed for the man. Right? He puts his hands on the man. Now, what's he doing? Well, he, he's ministering the anointing. Right? He puts his hands on the man. He administers the anointing to him. 
And then he says, uh, look, what do you see? And the man said, well, I see men. It's better. I see men, but they're like trees walking. So Jesus doesn't pray for him again. Jesus put his hands back on him. He put his hands on him again and made him look up. And he was restored and he saw everyone clearly. And he sent him to his house saying, don't go into the town and don't tell anybody in town. Now, this is really, this is, this is important. He says, you stay away from those people of unbelief. He says, because you got something, but you received it spiritually. All right. You can lose it spiritually. Somebody says, well, if God gave it to you, you'd never lose it. Well, why did Jesus say, take heed, he said, and be sure to keep what you have. Be sure you keep what you've got, all right? Because you can lose it. He'd have gone back in town and they'd have said, oh, you're seeing, what happened? He said, well, a guy spit in my eye, put his hands on me. Why don't you know that doesn't work? That isn't gonna last. Place of unbelief, all right? So again, Jesus said, a prophet's not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. And he could do no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Although he was anointed, their unbelief kept him out. Uh, let me give you oh, one more story. Uh, James, chapter 5. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray for him. Anointing with oil in the name of the Lord, the prayer of faith will save the sick. If he's committed any sins, they'll be forgiven him, and the Lord will raise him up. So Jeannie and I, uh, we celebrated our first year of marriage anniversary in Mexico. We started a church, and we stayed at that church for about two years. And then I turned it over to Miguel, my, my assistant pastor and Jeannie and I went and lived with the Odomi Indians for two years in a village. And then we moved back to the same city, Guadalajara. And I was teaching in a Bible college and helping to start a church on the other side of town. But in the first church that we started, uh, one of the men in the church got mad at the new pastor. In fact, on a Sunday morning after service, he came up, started arguing with the pastor then he yelled at the pastor. Then he cussed the pastor out in church. Stomped out of the church, got in his car, squealed his tires down the road. Eight or nine months have come and gone. He hasn't been back in church. But we hear about what's going on. You know, he's talking to everybody. He said, that pastor, he's a false prophet. That pastor, man, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. That pastor, that pastor, that pastor, he's talking about the, the pastor. And uh, Jeannie says to me, she says, uh, we should, she, I said, we, she said, you should go and see him. <laughs> and I said, no. I said, we are the ex-pastors. We've got plenty of trouble with the new church. We don't need to get back involved in that church. No, we are not getting involved. And she's, oh, but I really think that you should. And I said, I really don't want to. And she's, well, I think you should. And I said, well, I think you're wrong. And how many ever had one of them? Right. So we just, we just, you know, kind of went our separate ways. And I just couldn't get away from it. It's probably 10 days later. And I just turned to her and I said, okay, I'll go. And she said, good, about time. I mean, she knew exactly what I was talking about. 
All right? She literally walked me to the car, opened the door, put me in, and closed the door. I said, go. I get over to their house. It's probably 7, 7.30 at night. And uh, his wife answers the door. And I said, you know, I, I've come to see you, your, your husband and to talk with you. And, and uh, she says, he's upstairs in bed. Now, if you know anything about Latin people, um, they don't go to bed early. You know, dinner's 10. Okay. So uh, I kind of like, what's, what, what, what's, what happened? What's wrong? And she says, you don't know. And I said, no, why? And she says, uh, he, he has a, a, a growth. And uh, it's very serious. He goes into the hospital tomorrow. They're going to prep him, and he's having surgery the next day. And it is life-threatening. I said, I didn't have a clue. She says, well, he's upstairs in the bedroom going up. So I go up the stairs. Sure enough, there he is laying in this big bed. And there are 25 to 30 people in the room. Right? Now, again, in Latin culture, when, when somebody's sick, well, in, in Southern culture, when somebody dies, they have a wake and everybody goes over. Remember? You know about that, right? Okay. But in Latin culture, when you get sick, they don't wait till you die. They come over while you're still alive. Everybody brings food and they, you know, like, we're for you. We're with you. You know, we're, we're standing with you. We want you to get better. We love you. We appreciate you. So there's like 25, 30 people. Some of them are from work. Some are neighbors. Some are relatives. Some are from the church. Well, I've come to talk to him about what he's doing with his pastor. I come to confront him, confront him. And, and anybody who knows me knows I hate confrontation. Right? And, and, and in front of all these people, I'm like, no way. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, Jeannie, you are so wrong. You know? <laughs> and I, just, I want to get it. So I stayed like 15, 20 minutes. You know? And then, again, in Latin culture, if you leave a smaller room, you shake everybody's hand before you leave. So I start shaking hands. I don't know if it's the third, fourth person is this man's nephew who's in the bed. But he was a member of our church. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, aren't you going to pray for him? And I thought, no. <laughs> I thought, why would I pray for him? I mean, Bible says be angry, don't sin, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give Satan a foothold. And he's given Satan a foothold. He's been stead in strife. And, and, and literally lies. And I'm thinking, it won't do any good. But what do you do when you got 25 people like, are you going to or are you not going you know? So I just kind of go, oh, yes, yes. I said, you know, I went over. I prayed a really nice pastoral prayer. Um, you'd have been proud of me. Right? But it was like, I knew nothing happened. He knew nothing happened. Everybody there knew nothing happened. All the demons knew nothing happened. All the angels knew nothing happened. I mean, it was like, it was like nothing happened. All right? And I keep on shaking. Nephew runs downstairs. I got three, four hands to go, and he comes back up. He has got, I don't know if it's a two, three liter container of cooking oil. Right? And he literally comes over, and he pushed that thing into my chest. And he says, anoint him with oil, like in the Bible, in James chapter 5. And I thought, oh, gosh. What is, this is not going to work. But what do you do? You know? So I, I go over by the bed and I take the top off the oil and, and I, I now when you anoint someone with oil, this is what you're, you're literally now it's a sign of the Holy Spirit, but more than that, it's a sign of repentance, right? It's a dedication of that person to God, right? So they're supposed to say in their heart, if I've done something that I, if I'm doing something I'm not supposed to do, I quit, 
right? And if I'm supposed to do something I'm not doing, I'm going to start. So, so I said to him, I said, uh, I said, uh, Kisa, I said, uh, could it possibly be that someplace in your heart you have something against somebody? He just looked at me and says, you know I do. <laughs> and, and I said, you know, Jeannie and I have heard a few stories. I said, uh, do you want to be healed? And he said, absolutely. I said, do you know with the strife, the unforgiveness that's in your heart, I said, you're not going to be healed. I said, if you want to be healed, you need to forgive. And he said, uh, I'll do it. You know, I talked to him for a couple of minutes about forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision that you make. And I said, uh, well, then I want you to just pray right now. And I want you to forgive that person. And I didn't even mention who it was. So he, he closes his eyes and he's laying on the bed. And by the way, the people that were on the walls, they're kind of like hugging their bed now. They're all like, what's going on? You know? And uh, he prays his prayer. He closes his eyes. I don't know, 90 seconds. He pops his eyes open. He said, I did it. He said, I've forgiven him. And he said, and when I can, I am going to go see him. And I'm going to ask his forgiveness because I've been wrong. I thought, that's good. All right. So if you ever go to seminary or Bible college, they, they do a class on how to anoint with oil. Right? So I'm going to give it to you right now in the Reader's Digest version. All right. You, you just take the top and you take your pointing finger and you just get like a couple drops you know, and you put it on your finger and right in between their eyes, where their eyes come together right there, go one inch above. Right there, just get them. All right. That's all you need. So you ever go to seminary? You can say, I already took the class, right? <laughs> but I was in a bad mood. <laughs> That's all I could say. And I had a lot of oil. So I took that thing and I literally went bloop, bloop. I had a handful. I went <laughs> right on his head, right there. <laughs> and, and by the way, look it up in the original. The anoint means to smear. Well, I did. I got him. <laughs> I really did. I got him. I got him good. All right. Then uh, I prayed, you know, in Jesus' name. I, I cursed that growth, commanded it to die, wither, and disappear. Right. I shook a couple more hands to get the oil off. <laughs> and I went home and told Jeannie what happened. About three days later, they get a hold of us. And they said, did you hear what happened? And we said, no, what, how, how did, what happened? What happened? And they said, you had not left 45 minutes and that tumor came out of his body. Now, somebody said, that's a coincidence. I don't think so. I, I think he no more than closed the door to the devil. Right? And God's grace and God's mercy and God's healing power just flowed right to him. Wow. So I went a lot longer than I thought I would. So many to everybody to stand. And uh, if you've come tonight and you'd like to have hands laid on you for prayer, Mark 16, Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Process. You begin to amend. You will recover. So if you'd like to have prayer this, to, tonight, I want you to come forward right now. We're all going to extend our hands out. We're going to pray for you. And then I'm going to come by and just individually lay hands on you and loose the healing power of God onto your body.
Excellent. So I'm going to ask everybody that's not coming forward to extend your hands. And Father, we thank you that you are the Lord, our healer, that you forgive all of our iniquities and you heal all of our diseases, that Jesus himself bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. And by his stripes, healing was purchased for us. We recognize that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the gloom and doom of Satan's kingdom, and into the kingdom of the son of your love. And we recognize any sickness, any disease, any demonic oppression is trespassing on God's property and has no right. We come against every sickness, every disease, every demonic oppression. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bind you and we command you, go from God's people. Go in Jesus' name. We give you no place. We curse every sickness, every disease in the name of Jesus. And we command you to go from their bodies in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.